everybody. Welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening, and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Hello out there, church, everywhere we are gathered. I'm so glad that you're giving this time to the Lord. He is worthy of praise. He's worthy of whatever praise we can give him and whatever time we can give it and whatever way we can offer it. He is worthy. And as Andy said, it's a privilege to give this time to the Lord to worship him. We're, we're telling the beautiful story. There's plenty of ugly stories out there, but we're in the beautiful story. The beautiful story of a beautiful God. And I want to encourage you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, the words will come up on the screen for you, but I'm going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 12, and let's, as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would help us to receive your word. Without your help, Lord, without your Holy Spirit, these letters just sit there, ink on a page. But, but when you come, Lord, you speak to us by your living voice, and you shape our hearts, you shape our souls, and you draw us closer to you, and that's what we need. So, Lord Jesus, have mercy on your children. And speak your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you're my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen. Beautiful Savior. At this point in the beautiful story, we come to meet the beautiful Savior. We come to Jesus. The incarnation of God in Jesus Christ. All that language, all that promise, everything that we were talking about, it all comes down to this God has come in the flesh. In the fullness of time, God came down in Jesus. 
God has come in the flesh. God is in the manger. It's Christmas. I mean, it's, it's Christmas time. Say, what? Christmas in September? What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm calling it. It's 2020, and at this point, it just feels like we can do whatever we want. Aren't you feeling that? It's like all bets are off. Christmas in September, you bet. We're calling it. We're going to do it. I mean, 2020 is just, it's just everything's out the window. We can do whatever we want. I'm thinking about declaring myself three different birthdays this year. I mean, it's just whatever you want to do, okay? So 2020, September, Merry Christmas. In the beautiful story, we meet beautiful Savior Jesus. Jesus is beautiful. And I'm not talking about looks. I mean, we don't know what Jesus looked like. None of the gospel writers remark on his appearance. And so the only thing we're left to think is that his appearance was unremarkable. He, he just, we don't know what he looked like at all. But I'm talking about the person, the man himself, his being, his character. Jesus is, is beautiful. He's beautiful. We're not very good at sharing the beautiful Jesus. Somehow we obscure the beauty of the Lord. You know, we're trying to reach a lost world. What gets lost in translation is the beauty. And the beauty is what the world needs. That's what prompts people to say things like, I don't mind Jesus, but I just don't like the church. Or like what Mahatma Gandhi said. He said, he said once, I don't mind, uh, I like your Christ, Gandhi said. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. <laughs> your Christians are so unlike your Christ. People say, I really like your Jesus. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's his followers. I just can't stand much to be around how are we hiding the beauty of Jesus? Richard Stearns was a former president of World Vision. He was here a few uh, years ago, and he was talking about, he's telling a story about recruiting a communications director. And this guy, this guy that he was talking to, he came from a, a Christian organization that, that, uh, that's out there, you know, sometimes pushing the hard edge of things, saying things that the contemporary world doesn't like to hear. And the communications director was working for that team. And so he told Rich, he said, oh, yeah, I, w- I would love to work for you. I really want this job because you guys, in your, in your job, you have... Uh, you know, you're helping people out of poverty. You're bringing water to, to, uh, to communities that are starving. Uh, you're, you're putting children together. You're helping orphans. You guys have the Jesus everybody loves. I'd love to work for you. I'm out there always having to defend Christianity from, from all of this criticism after we've said hard things. You guys have the Jesus everybody loves. The Jesus everybody loves. Where is it? Sometimes it's, it's us. We obscure the beauty of Jesus out of our well-meaning attempts to defend the cause of Jesus. But Jesus is beautiful. He's a beautiful Savior. In the beautiful story comes a beautiful Savior 
And his very presence captures everyone around him. His, his, uh, his, 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 he's beautiful to the, to the core. Jesus himself is the radiance of the glory of God. His beauty disarms our defenses. It surprises and captures us. You know, Jesus, he, he did all these things in his ministry time and again, and he does them still. Recapture your vision of Jesus. Jesus is the beautiful Savior. Verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Yes, that's what, that's what we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks, right? God spoke to our ancestors. He spoke through the prophets. God spoke to ancestors like Abraham, with whom God made a, a beautiful promise. God spoke through the prophets like Isaiah, where we got this beautiful hope to sustain us. So, yeah, God spoke in those times. Verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. By his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. His Son. See, the promise, the promise pointed to someone, do you remember, who would, who would establish that covenant even by blood. The hope, the hope was pointing us in Isaiah. It was always pointing us towards something God was going to do. And what was God going to do? God was going to send someone. God was going to send a redeemer, a savior, a king, a new kind of king, and a new kind of kingdom. And and in fact, God, in the greatest hope, God was going to do it himself, right? God was going to save. He was going to do it himself. It all comes down, the promise, the hope. It all comes down. And now we see it all resolves to this. Jesus, the word of God, those with God at creation, through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made. The light of God that breaks down into the darkness when all hope is lost. The life established. Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, Savior. Now it's time in the beautiful story to see the coming of the beautiful Savior. Now you read this passage, you get some, some language, you think, what, what does that mean? Why does it say that, um, that God appointed Jesus the heir? If he's the son, isn't he already the heir? And later on through the passage and in other places in Scripture, it sounds like Jesus is, is becoming the son, like he's, something's changing. You are my son, I have become your father, verse 2. Or I will be his father and he will be my son, in verse 5. Why does it sound like that? Like something's going... Here's what's happening. God, God is telling the story. And this is the unfolding, beautiful story. And, and Jesus is, is taking his place in the story. He's, he's assuming that character. He's taking that role, you see. Jesus, he doesn't change. He's always the Son. God is ever the Father, but God is unfolding his truth in this beautiful story. And you know, that's how stories go. A story, a story is told with mystery and, uh, and unresolved questions that, that put us in suspense. And then just at the right time, right at the right moment, the storyteller gives us the insight. Just at the right time in the fullness of time. We get to see, we get to know how God is going to save, who the Savior is, who the beautiful Savior is. It's Jesus Christ. 
Son of God, Savior, and Lord. I like Hebrews because it just it jumps right into who Jesus really is, truly is. Hebrews is that uh, better than this book. It's Jesus is better than this. He's better than this. He's better than this. That's how it goes. So Jesus is, at the beginning of Hebrews, Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is not just some kind of super special angel. No. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have become your father. That's from Psalm 2. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. That's from 2 Samuel 7. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let, let all God's angels, what? Worship him. Now, Jesus isn't an angel. This is God's firstborn. It's only begotten son. He isn't an angel. Angels worship him. See? And this son, uh, Jesus... He brings an everlasting kingdom. Look at this, verse 8. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. That's from Psalm 45. About the Son, it says this. We've wondered at the beauty of creation in this series. We've talked about the beauty of creation. Look, the beauty of creation is nothing compared to the beauty of the Son. Verse 10, He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You'll roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they'll be changed. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. That's from Psalm 102. The beauty of the Son beauty of Jesus it surpasses all the beauty of creation. All that will fade away like a mist. Jesus. Jesus. More beautiful than, uh, than the sunset. Jesus. More beautiful than uh, like, like moonlight rippling on the water. Right? Jesus. Is Jesus beautiful? Jesus. More beautiful than purple mountains majesty and the amber waves of grace. Jesus is beyond all of that. Jesus, he's beautiful, the beautiful Savior. And we don't even know what he looked like. Look, we've been at this a while, and let's remember why we're talking about beauty, okay? Beauty captures us. Beauty stops us in our tracks. It arrests the soul and, and, and causes us to say, wow, it just hits us. Remember Thomas Aquinas defined beauty as that which, when seen, pleases. That means God made us to love beauty and to respond to it in some way. He made us to have a kind of response to it. And beauty breaks down barriers. It penetrates the heart in ways that reason, discourse, and teaching simply cannot do. Miguel de Cervantes said this. He said, it is the prerogative and charm of beauty to win hearts. One way or another, beauty gains direct access to our souls. And in terms of God winning our heart to Him, capturing our heart, 
Listen, the beauty of Jesus, it's a gravity and a pull. You know, everybody wants to be around Jesus. Even the people that hated him wanted to be around him. They just wanted to be where he was. There was a pull like moths to a flame. I mean, just like this gravity. The beautiful Savior grabs our soul and pulls. You know, listen, just release the beauty of Jesus. Just let the beauty of Jesus come out. Let people see the beautiful Jesus and watch what happens then. Beautiful Savior. More beautiful than all the beauty we know. That's Jesus. Who is Jesus again? Verse 3. Verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. If that sounds heavy, that's you, you're on target. Sustaining all things by his powerful world, and after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Hebrews 1.3. Let me tell you, it's hard for me to explain how, how, how important this verse is. For 200 years, the church vigorously debated the meaning of Hebrews 1.3. What does that mean? Jesus is the, the, the image, the, the exact representation. Does that mean he's like a picture of God? Like, is it, or what's going on there? No, Jesus is so much... God, that he is exact in his imaging of God. He is the exact representation of the being, the essence, the core of what it is to be God. Jesus is the exact representation of it. It is God coming forward to be known. Now, you can't, you can't be an exact representation of God unless you are God. That's the truth. Jesus is God showing us who he is. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know who God is, look to Jesus. He's the beautiful Savior. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The the bright expression of of the very beauty of God. God's glory. The glory of God. Like the glory of God that filled the temple in Isaiah 6. Like the glory that will fill all the earth. Like the, the glory that Ezekiel witnessed in Ezekiel 43. And I saw the glory of the, of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters. And the land was radiant with his glory. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord. Imagine everywhere you've seen in Scripture the glory of the Lord. Imagine all that glory all coming together, all getting compressed, all getting pushed down like a light refracted through, you know, uh, lenses and, and glass and stuff like that to bring the rays of light together into one powerful laser beam of light, one pinpoint of light, all that glory pushed into one little laser beam. That's Jesus. That's who Jesus is. The radiance of the very glory of God. Oh, he's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, Jesus was not only there to make it. Jesus bears all creation towards its end. He carries it along by the power of his word. And then we profess this. We believe it. After he had provided purification for sins, you know, after he, after he died on the cross as an atoning sacrifice to provide cleansing, purification, removal of the, of the stain of sin for you and for me, and after he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Beautiful Savior. Just show the world Jesus. And we don't even know what he looks like. Talk about how he dealt with people. Talk about the stories of his life. Talk about the decisions he made. Talk about how he spoke and he cared and he listened and he moved toward pain. Talk about about his impact on history. You know, H.G. Wells, H.G. Wells, not a Christian. He wrote this. He said, more than 1,900 years later, a historian like myself, who doesn't even call himself a Christian, finds the picture centering irresistibly around the life and the picture of what? The picture of all of history. The picture of all of history centering around, irresistibly around, the life and character of this most significant man. If Jesus hadn't existed, we could never make him up. He sits at the very center of the beautiful story. And as we look to him, we see his own beauty. His own beauty is disarming, it's compelling, it's it's alluring, it's captivating. Show them Jesus. We don't know who wrote this uh, song that the, sung, the church has sung for hundreds of years. Maybe you've heard it. It goes like this. It says, fairest Lord Jesus. Fairest, you know, old language, like uh, old, old language. But that's like beautiful, um, you know. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O thou of God and man the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Fair are, fair are the meadows, it says. Fairer still the woodlands, robed in the blooming garb of spring. Jesus is fairer. Jesus is pure. Who makes the woeful heart to sing. Fair is the sunshine. Fair is still the moonlight. And all the twinkling starry host. Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines purer. Than all the angels. Having composed. And finally. Beautiful Savior. Lord of all the nations. Son of God and Son of Man, glory and honor, praise, adoration, now and forevermore be thine. Jesus is more beautiful. 
than any beauty we know. (laughs) It's such a confused world. It's such a hurting place. Just show them Jesus. The next time you speak of Jesus, can you speak of his beauty? Can you speak of his beauty? Let the beauty of Jesus shine. Even when you say his name, you know, his beauty should kind of, when you say his name, Jesus, his beauty should put a glimmer in your eye. It should, it should turn the corners of your mouth up just a little bit. Jesus. If it doesn't, then I, I don't know that you've met him. If it doesn't make you smile, you haven't met him. You're still dealing with this, this Jesus nobody loves, this, uh, this, this, this shrunken, deformed picture of Jesus. You haven't met the beautiful Savior, the beautiful Savior. We watched and waited. We, we longed for the beautiful promise to come. We endured in beautiful hope, longing for the arm of the Lord to be revealed. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, beautiful Savior, God came down in Jesus. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For today, in the town of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Lord, in the ugliness, help us to see your beauty coming towards us. For all the things we look upon, Jesus, help us to see your face, the radiance of the glory of God, all piled up in the beauty of who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for coming into our world. We thank you for coming into our lives. Lift up our hearts, lift up our eyes to see the beautiful Savior in the face of Jesus Christ. In your holy name we pray. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.